And so coming from Berlin, you know, the thought is everyone expects us to go bigger. Can we go small? Can we go as small as possible? And so we found a screen that was 45 by 45 pixels, which is like maybe the size of a quarter or a half dollar. And we put it in a small black music box. And as you sat down in your room, instead of it being a giant monumental experience, you were in the room with one other person who was a member of our staff who brought you a cup of tea or a glass of champagne, depending on your preference, and had a conversation with you. And then when you were ready, you would open the music box. And there were no screens in the room, except when you open the box, there's a small 45 by 45 pixel screen. And there was a sensor in the box, which triggered a self-playing piano in the corner of the room to start playing your your generative music. And so it's it's those kind of things where I mean, like this reveal experience is unique to the mint. You you need to know what the art is first before you can design the reveal experience. But then they can inspire each other, and you can play this game of ping pong back and forth, where really amazing things happen. Hello, and welcome back to the Nucci Show. Today, my guest is Phil Mohan. Phil is on the team at Bright Moments, where he leads product and governance. For those of you who aren't familiar, Bright Moments curates these really amazing, in real life, generative art experiences. Phil and I get into so much today, how Bright Moments got started, we talk about some of their events, their DAO, and the future of Bright Moments. It was a super fun and wide-ranging conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to excited to get you on. Can you give the audience a bit about your background and how you got into NFTs personally? Sure. Yeah. So I am a bioengineer by education. I in university bounced around a bunch of things and eventually found a degree where they would let me play with computers and my biology credits worked. So that's what I graduated with with a BS. I spent some time in technology consulting. Uh, and I jumped around sort of the Fortune 500 helping companies with blockchain strategy for a bit. In early 2021, I was working at a startup and had sort of decided to take some time away from crypto. That was what I told myself anyway, where I wanted to, uh, instead of working on enterprise blockchain, which I had been doing for a couple of years and found a little tiring, was going to go work on an email startup because I figured email was a decentralized protocol that was widely adopted and maybe I could learn something about crypto from it and then apply it later. And of course, the minute that I stopped wanting to work in crypto, uh, I stumbled into the crew at Bright Moments, which was just getting started in February and March of that year. There was a group of us who, during the pandemic, had become friends. And I had a conversation with Seth where he mentioned he was doing a drop on foundation. He had been taking pictures of the sunset. And uh, he was thinking about starting an NFT gallery. And so he invited me to stop by the coffee shop and, and have a discussion and I showed up and the energy was just infectious and, and kept coming. And throughout the course of that summer, uh, that's how Bright Moments was born. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. So was that your first experience with NFTs? No, I, I had launched a, an NFT project in 2019 uh, called Proof of Cake. And the idea was you would get issued an NFT if you could prove you were over 21, which was like a proto identity thing. And the protocol was pretty new. ERC721 was sort of getting kicked around. And it sort of like didn't really make a path. Like I go back in one of my wallets and I have like an NFT issued like 800 days ago, which is the claim to fame, right? It was like two and a half years ago. And the, I think we got the website up and running and sent it to a couple of friends and never really did anything with it. And uh, I didn't really touch it for a few years. I, I was like I mentioned, I was doing enterprise blockchain. So I was super interested in the identity aspect of NFTs. But I was spending a lot less time in sort of the public Web3 space and more like behind the scenes stuff like Hyperledger. And so when I got introduced to Bright Moments, it was really through sort of 
Top Shot was the big thing at the time, one, uh, 101s on foundation. And then we got introduced to the team at ArtBlocks early that year. And that was actually how I got introduced to generative art was we were just trying to find a platform to launch the Crypto Venetians project on. And we had a chance to speak with Eric and Jeff and, and went from there. What are Crypto Venetians? Yeah, so Crypto Venetians are the, the membership token for the Bright Moments DAO. They are, there's a thousand of them and they are one of 10 cities. And so last summer we had just opened the doors at Bright Moments and we were doing art shows on Thursday nights. And so we would invite digital artists to, you know, exhibit their work. And the idea was we would do an auction during the show. And it was fun. The live auctions are really exciting. It's sort of everyone's in the room when it's counting down. But the issue we were running into was a lot of people that came to the shows, even though they wanted to buy the work or had the means to, they didn't have a Web3 wallet. And if anyone's ever tried to set up someone with a crypto wallet at a party, it's just not really a good environment to do so, right? Like you're trying to explain security best practices and like everyone's there, it's not private. And so the idea for Crypto Venetians was born where can we do a uh, local project to Venice Beach and can we use it as a way to onboard people to NFTs and give them away for free? So that way, when they come to the show on Thursday nights, they're familiar with the technology. They already have an NFT in their wallet and they have the wallet set up more importantly so they can support the artists. And so that was the sort of the genesis of the Crypto Venetian project. And very quickly, the uh, the tail started wagging the dog and the Crypto Venetians actually become a major focus of what Bright Moments does. But yeah, originally that was a story. It was a way for us to give away free NFTs just to get people in the door during the week to help onboard them to crypto. Is Is this the same as Crypto Citizens? Yeah, yeah. So Crypto Venetians are one of 10 out of the Crypto Citizens project. And so Crypto Citizens are basically this multi-year project that we're working on where over the course of 10 cities, we mint a thousand Crypto Citizens at the time. And each one is part of a broader set. They have sort of similar aesthetics and characteristics and traits across the cities, but each one is specific to the city. And so you can think about it almost like sub-traits within a broader collection, right? Just like there's the zombie punks or the ape punks, there are sort of these different cities within the Crypto Citizens collection. There's the Crypto Venetians, New Yorkers, Berliners, Londoners, Mexas, and we're going to 10 cities. And in each one, we do a generative portrait series of the culture of the city that we're going to. Super cool. All right. Two more questions on this. Who's making the generative art for these? And can you talk a little bit about how they play into the DAO you mentioned? Yeah, so our creative director and the artist behind the Crypto Citizens Project is Chan. Uh, early on, when we were doing the Crypto Venetians, uh, Chan and I would get on video calls and we said, hey, we want to do something that's going to be sort of like the Crypto Punks, but it's inspired by Venice Beach. And Chan, I think within a couple of days, came back with the first cut of what became the Crypto Venetians. And we worked with the ArtBlocks team to turn his SVG pixel art into an algorithm that could be deployed on chain. And so all of the crypto citizens are on chain via art blocks and the process for creating them is sort of evolved over time, but chance from New York. So the second city we did the crypto New Yorkers was, you know, home for him. He was representing a city. And then every time we choose a city, we basically send an advanced team and Chan goes and spends some time immerses himself there. And out from that comes, you know, the crypto citizen collection for that city. Cool. And then the, you said there was a DAO. Yeah, so Bright Moments is organized uh, on chain. We that's the way that we've been organized since day one, and it's it's been really interesting. I think there's like we're not a startup. We didn't start with a business plan. We didn't go raise a bunch of venture investing at the beginning to try to be an NFT gallery. We were founded on chain. Seth minted 10 million BRT tokens, which were an ERC twenty token, and early in Bright Moments history, we were a volunteer organization. People would show up. 
at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we would have basically a circle meeting where we'd sit around and everyone would go around the circle and say what they were working on, what they were going to contribute. And I think it's sort of symbolic, but the, the circle is actually really important because there's no hierarchy in a circle. Everyone would sit. And no matter if it was your first day there, if you'd been coming for months, you had an equal say in the conversation. And so everyone that came to those meetings was given a uh, governance stake in the DAO. And as the Crypto Venetians project started to pick up steam, it didn't make sense for us to have basically two different classes of tokens, these sort of ERC-20 tokens that were the governance stake and then the Crypto Venetians, which were the p- thing that people knew about. And so we underwent a process where we basically converted all the original DAO members into NFT holders. And so now we're a fully NFT denominated DAO. Uh, we're represented by what's going to be at the end of 10,000 crypto citizens, which are deployed on chain. And for certain decisions that we make as an organization, we do it through uh, Snapshot, which is a, a you know on-chain voting system. And so, for example, uh, deciding what city we go to is an on-chain vote. And so we just held a vote for city number seven. So we're going to Tokyo this May. And so uh, that was an on-chain vote. And really what we try to do is for decisions where it makes sense to have more people involved, we try to do those on-chain. And it's really hard figuring out which decisions are the right ones to do that way. But that's sort of the whole that's the, you know, the whole theory around DAOs is that there's certain things where large groups of people come up with better decisions than a small group, but finding which ones those are is, is the tough part. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, cool. So let's like set the table a little bit for the audience. Like Bright Moments is founded and, and the mission and the dream and kind of the vision is basically combining in real life with the minting process. Is that a fair statement to say? Yeah. Okay. And can you tell us a bit about like what these events entail for someone who hasn't heard of Bright Moments or hasn't been to one of them? Yeah. So we, since the very beginning, realized that there are some magic that happens when people see on-chain generative art get minted for the first time in front of them. And this we this was something we realized with the Crypto Venetians. We would give away 10 a day and we came up with this fun little reveal ceremony where people would be in the back room of the gallery and they would mint their Crypto Venetian after going through the process of setting up a wallet and our staff would be there and everyone else that was minting that day would be there in the other room and you'd have your reveal moment where you'd walk through the doors, you'd see your Crypto Venetian on screen for the first time and it's on chain, it's random. We don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. Basically, whatever the algorithm decides. And that moment of just like pure joy, pure reveal was absolute magic. There's no other way to describe it. People would come into the gallery and very often in their lives, people are not the center of attention. They don't have that moment where everyone's happy for them and cheering. And we gave that moment to people. And we realized over the course of the summer, as we're minting Crypto Venetians, there's something really special here. Can we do this for not only our own collection, but help artists have this moment? And every reveal moment is different, right? Everything's not going to be a big gallery setting where people are cheering for you. Sometimes it's more subdued. Sometimes it's meditative. Sometimes there's specific things that the artist wants to have involved. But that aspect of combining a physical sensory experience with the reveal of something that's generated on chain and permanent is really, really interesting. And that's sort of the theme that we've been exploring over the last year and a half as we've traveled around the world, working with different artists. And it doesn't seem like there's really an end in sight. There's a lot of different uh, design spaces that we still have yet to explore with IRL minting. I can talk through a few of them, but that's that's the gist of it. And that's what we're really excited about. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Because when you're minting a piece of generative art, I feel very alone. Like it's a very exciting moment that I want to share with people. Yep. But when I'm sitting, I'll usually call my wife over and I'm like, we're about to mint something. 
Right, right. Yeah, and she'll watch, and and she's I'm lucky because she's into NFTs, and she'll uh, you know sometimes she's more excited, and sometimes she's less excited. But it's it is it's an exciting moment, and it sucks when you have an exciting moment that's alone. And the idea that you can bring an experience and a group of people, and even the artist into that magic, because I imagine also for the artist, a lot of artists dropping generative projects, it's again like you don't get to see these people mint and be delighted by what they've done. So bringing it all together in person is is such a cool idea. Yeah. And, and so, so there's two things there that are actually pretty interesting. The first is you mentioned your wife. A big part of what we do is I think convince people's spouses that they're not crazy. Like <laughs> we have people come to the gallery and, you know, they'll bring their spouse or their significant other or their friends. And it's like, look at like, there's other people that think this stuff is cool. And it's, it's really been an exciting part where, you know, people come in and they go, I don't get it. My husband or wife is really into this and she keeps talking about it, but I just don't really understand. They come to one of the events and they go, Oh, wait a minute. This is really interesting or this is cool. And very often they leave with an NFT of their own. So now it's a shared thing that they have together where they have a wallet, they have an NFT. And the other thing, as you mentioned, it is a very lonely process. You're at home behind a computer screen, you click the button and get the dopamine rush, and then it sort of wears off and you're by yourself. And it's not just the collectors that experience this, it's the artists as well. Um, Mint Zero is really, really scary. And you've been pouring your heart and soul into something that you've been working on for oftentimes months. And finally, the moment comes, which is supposed to be really exciting. And it can often feel like a little bit of a letdown if you're by yourself, where it's you're nervous, it's about to be on chain, you know, everyone's going to look at it, and it works, and you sort of fist pump, and then it's over. And this is something that we realized in Mexico. We had 10 artists we were working with as part of the Mexico City collection. And for Mint Zero, they were all in the room together. And so we basically went around the room, and everyone did their Mint Zero. And uh, Zach Lieberman actually mentioned, he goes, I personally don't love Mint Zero. This moment is is actually really intimidating, but being in the room with other people actually made it something that was exciting. And, and it sort of takes off that, you know, you feel anticipation and, and then there's the relief when it works and being with other artists who get it and really understand what you're feeling in that moment is really, really important and something that we've actually tried to make sure that we're there for because oftentimes, yeah, you are alone and it's something that's a huge moment, but if you don't have someone to share it with, it can feel strange. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I don't know if I ever realized that artists always take Min Zero or is that is that always the case or usually the case? Mm-hmm. It is usually the case. There are exceptions and those projects where there are the exceptions are actually pretty interesting. Um, ben Kovach's 100 print is an example where he doesn't own Mint Zero. And that's because the drop mechanic we did with Ben was like a draft pick where he minted all 100 pieces and then people essentially minted in order of a draft. And so the first pick of the 100 print draft was Mint Zero specifically for that reason, because it's so rare for non-artists to own Mint Zero of a collection. Uh, it went first in the draft. And like aesthetically, it's a really nice piece. It's the 3D glasses palette. But the big thing was the token ID and the fact that it was Mint Zero and it's so rare for non-artists to have them in their collection. Wow. So everyone was able to see the outputs before they selected which piece was theirs. I feel like I vaguely remember this maybe 9, 10, 11 months ago. Like, was this in like February or January? Yeah, we, we sold the collection via Dutch auction. So we sold the draft picks as NFTs. So this was sort of the interesting part. Everyone purchased an NFT that represented their place in the draft. And then you could trade your draft pick. And we sold the draft picks, minted the work, got the work framed and printed and hung it on the wall of the gallery. And I think that show was in April. So we did the sale. We did the sale in April. The show was in May or June. But that was a really interesting aspect where there was not only the online component, but also people would come in and see the work printed. 
I actually have one on my wall behind me. And there's things that you notice when a generative piece is printed that doesn't really come through on a screen, or there are certain pieces that look better printed than they do digitally. And so it was a really interesting mechanism where collectors, their opinions wildly differed from, okay, coming out of the Minter to you have some time to sit with it, and then you see it in person. Yeah, that was that was a really exciting one. Super, super. So I want you to take the audience through Mexico City a little bit. I'm a huge fan of Mexico City. My wife and I lived there before we settled down in San Diego. But I, I saw some photos and some videos, and I know a bunch of people who went. But I, I know that it was a pretty magical experience. Can you, can you walk us through some of that? Yeah, so Mexico City was the sixth city that uh, we've done in our roadmap. So we started in Venice Beach. We went to New York. Between New York and our next city, we did that conversion I mentioned with the original DAO members where we minted the Crypto Galacticans, which was essentially a conversion of people that held those ERC-20 tokens into NFTs. We then went to Berlin, which was our first non-US city. And that was a big, I think, growth moment for us where we sort of had to figure everything out in a, you know, what to many of us was a foreign country. I had never spent much time in Berlin getting acclimated with the local culture, figuring out what would feel right for the reveal experience. We then went to London and our most recent city was Mexico. Yeah. Did you not, did you try to go to any like nightlife in Berlin and just get rejected at the door immediately? We actually didn't get rejected. We had been living there for long enough and we were essentially throwing what felt like a giant rave ourselves, like a crypto gen art rave that maybe we were giving off the right vibe at the door and the bouncer let us in. No no rejection story. No Elon Musk rejection story. Yeah. (laughs) I I just remember my time in Berlin being like rejected. Somebody told me when I finally left, they're like, oh, you have to dress in like all black and you have to look a little bit sad. Otherwise, otherwise you're going nowhere in Berlin. Okay, cool. Yeah, we we definitely fit the description. <laughs> nice. Cool. So yeah, let's back to Mexico City a bit. Tell us a bit about that experience. Yeah. So so Mexico City was a four-day minting experience where over 100 hours, we minted over 3,000 NFTs. And so there was a bunch of different projects. We obviously were minting the Crypto Citizen Collection for Mexico City, which are the Crypto Mexas, which are 1,000 uh, generative on-chain portraits representing the local culture in Mexico City. We minted the Mexico City collection, which were 10 artists that each did a drop of 100. And we rented a venue that allowed us to give each artist their own room and their own minting experience. And so it felt like a generative art haunted house, right? It was early November. So Dia de Muertos had just passed. It was fall in Mexico. And we turned this venue, Prim, which is sort of an indoor, outdoor, very sort of original architecture from the city, a lot of exposed brick, if you can imagine it. Um, wooden staircases. And as you explored this venue, you would come into an artist room where the artist had completely transformed the room into what they imagined for the minting experience for the collection. And so we had everything from uh, Stefano Contiero, who his project Infinito was in an infinity room where all of the walls were made of mirrors. And as the mint came on, it essentially filled the entire room with light and sound. We had uh, DCA's project, which was uh, repre- which was a representation of the park in Mexico City, Bosque de Chapultepec. And when you revealed your mint with Dan, you would sit on a picnic blanket and we had stopped by his favorite bakery before the show every night to get the post tray that goes with sort of the theme. And you would sit and as the work got revealed, you would you know share this pastry with Dan. He must have eaten a hundred over the course of four days. <laughs> and he would talk to you about the work. 
Eric Snowfro's room, 100 Untitled Spaces, was an algorithm within an algorithm. So first you would see the color study algorithm. That's sort of the focal point of the work. And then through what was a natural feature of the venue, which was a, a indoor window, we would project the actual mint onto the wall. And so you would sort of see a representation in physical space of what the mint looked like. And I can go on, but uh, you know, you would come into the venue and you would have your mint pass and have the opportunity to explore and meet the artist and walk around, meet other collectors. And all of this happened from November 16th to the 19th in Mexico City. Super cool. I, I feel like I remember hearing someone explain one, not in Mexico City, uh, I don't know where it was, with a music box or piano. And they said it was yes. super yeah, yeah. cool. Those, that was a... Those are the crypto Londoners. And so the crypto Londoners, we, since Berlin, have been including on-chain generative music with every crypto citizen mint. And so for the Londoners, we had just finished Berlin, which if you can imagine, it was a giant abandoned power plant. It was this huge building, four stories, huge ceilings, concrete, very brutalist. And we got the biggest screen that we could find in production for that reveal. And so when you revealed your crypto Berliners, it was literally 60 feet tall. It was the biggest screen we could find. And we wanted to make gen art like we are here. We're here to stay. This is a statement. And so coming from Berlin, you know, the thought is everyone expects us to go bigger. Can we go small? Can we go as small as possible? And so we found a screen that was 45 by 45 pixels, which is like maybe the size of a quarter or a half dollar. And we put it in a small black music box. And as you sat down in your room, instead of it being a giant monumental experience, you were in the room with one other person who was a member of our staff who brought you a cup of tea or a glass of champagne, depending on your preference, and had a conversation with you. And then when you were ready, you would open the music box. And there were no screens in the room, except when you open the box, there's a small 45 by 45 pixel screen. And there was a sensor in the box, which triggered a self-playing piano in the corner of the room to start playing your your generative music. And so it's it's those kind of things where I mean like this reveal experience is unique to the mint. You you need to know what the art is first before you can design the reveal experience, but then they can inspire each other and you can play this game of ping pong back and forth where really amazing things happen. So, so, so cool. One one of my questions was how do you guys attract the talent that you've brought on? Because you have literally the biggest names across the space. And I feel like that's kind of a stupid question now because it seems like you attracted by doing the most amazing in real life processes, but you legitimately have the biggest names across the space. Can you talk a little bit about how you're you're getting these people to sign up with you? Yeah. So I I think one part of it is since the beginning, the reason that we have been able to work with talented artists is because we offer them a platform to express themselves creatively. And this has been the case since day one. Aaron Penne visited our gallery in Venice and we put Return on the screen, one of his early art blocks projects. And I think seeing it on the Samsung screen that we had hung from the rafters inspired him for what became Rituals. And over the course of 50 hours, we minted his project with Beretta Rituals uh, in what was essentially a sensory deprivation room, completely black except for the screen and a four point surround sound subwoofer system. And Tyler Hobbs came to that minting saw what Aaron did and said, this is really cool. I hadn't considered how IRO minting maybe fits into my work. I thought about it, came back to us with the idea for what what became Incomplete Control. Many collectors came to Incomplete Control. That allowed us to put together the Berlin collection. Berlin was huge. We got a bunch of people to come from across Europe. And so we've sort of been able to parlay that where our audience that attends these shows, many of them are collectors, but many of them are artists as well. And you see something or you have a conversation with someone at some point that inspires you. 
And if artists feel as though they can do great work with us, then I think it's a no-brainer. Awesome. So I was reading on your site that you can only mint IRL. And I was curious, is that actually a hard rule? Like if, if my flight gets canceled, am I able to mint the piece or am I shit out of luck? Yeah. So this is, we've, we've evolved our thinking on this and we basically offer different mints that have different in-person requirements. And so I will try to make it simple. If you purchase a mint pass, you can mint from home. Obviously we recommend you come in person. That's going to be sort of the best bang for your buck. And that's going to give you an opportunity. But if you're like, I love this algorithm. I want to support this artist. I can't make it, but I really want this piece. Buy a mint pass. You can do what we call a delegate mint or a remote mint, which is it gets minted directly to your wallet when you're at home. No problem at all. We do experiment in some ways with requiring IRL minting. And and one of the ways is uh, in every city we go to, there's a thousand new crypto citizens and we break those crypto citizens into three parts. One third are sold. And those, they're sold via uh, the Bright Moments Mint Pass called the Golden Token. You can mint that remotely. That's how we fund our project. That's how we put on these shows in the cities. Another third of the crypto citizens in each city, we airdrop minting reservation appointments to existing holders. So if you have a crypto Venetian, you might wake up one day and it's like, hey, you are welcome to come mint with us in Tokyo, but you need to come in person. And that's sort of the, the requirement. So you come in person or you send someone to mint on your behalf. And that's really the community building aspect where now we're seeing people that have come to every single city that we've done. And like the first time you meet someone, you're an acquaintance, the second time you're friends, the third, you know, and we sort of build this relationship where it takes, hey, you know, I saw you three months ago, but we've now spent time in multiple cities together. You actually build a real relationship with people. And the final third are we give them away for free to the local community. So while we were in Mexico, we ran a nomination process. People came to our meetups over the course of several months. We did on-chain voting where crypto citizens were able to nominate people to join the community. And once again, those locals had to come in person. And so it's a little bit of a gating feature where if you are receiving a mint basically for free, or if you're receiving something as a benefit of your being in the community, we really want you to come to the event because that's the core of what we do. There is one other type of mint, which is our artists in residence, and that's also IRL only. And so every month we do an open edition with an artist. And if you want to mint it, it's 0.1 ETH. And you just come to a Bright Ones gallery in a city near you, and we mint it directly to your wallet on the spot. But we like to experiment with these. And it can be sort of confusing. And I think that's one reason why some people have not explored the ecosystem of Bright Moments as much as they may have wanted to because of this misconception you have to be in person. But the way I think about it is if you're paying for a mint, you don't have to come. If you're getting the mint for free, we want you to be there to help enjoy the experience. Super. So let me ask you this. If I come to Mexico City, do I need to bring my wallet? Because I know like some of the passes ahead of time, like the Snowfro, the Mapan, were pretty pretty expensive. How do you guys handle the logistics around people bringing wallets and proving that they own these things? Totally. This has uh, been something that I think our show with Tyler and Incomplete Control really pushed us forward on. And you don't need to bring your wallet. What we do is allow you to connect to our website and we generate a secure QR code for you that is essentially a digital signature that proves your ownership of the wallet. You bring that screenshot of the QR code with you. It's like when you go to the airport and you have the boarding pass on your phone. You show up, you scan it, the mint goes directly to your wallet. You don't need to do anything. You don't even need to bring your wallet or your cold storage with you on the plane. You can leave it all at home and it gets minted directly to your wallet. So we don't take custody of it. We purchase it directly to you. Super, super. That makes sense. And then you said something about having in real life events in Mexico City for the locals for several months. Was you, Is your team based yeah. there or do you guys go to a city for a while? Like how long are you in the city before the event? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's sort of, we, we send team members down early. Um, 
And we sort of joke, it's like a missionary program where we send a few people down and like they start a meetup, which is usually we go to a local pub or a restaurant and we put up the bat signal and we're like, Hey, we're in town. If you guys want to come grab a drink with us or grab a bite to eat and talk about generative art, we'd love to see you. And that snowball is where it goes from one bright moments team member in town to now there's two people in town. Now there's five people, now there's 10. And as we get closer to the event, we basically ramp up both the number of Bright Moments team members who are living there and really getting to know the people in that city and making sure that the venue is ready for the event. And it's also, we're really dialing in that nomination process where we have these physical cards that we hand out that allow you to fill out a secure nomination form where you explain a little bit about you. And then that gets published as part of our snapshot vote, which is usually a week or two before the event where the crypto citizens can we call it sponsoring, but you sponsor people to join the DAO. Awesome. So let me ask you this. How many votes do I need to attain to hijack the voting process to get you guys to come to San Diego? You would need... Well, so we, we do rank choice voting. And so it sort of depends. You would need a lot of crypto citizens. And <laughs> we, as a core team, as a core team, we've set up some guidelines around geographies that we want to do. But I would be very surprised if we return to the US and the remainder of our city tour. We've got a lot of world to explore and we've done two cities in the United States already. So uh, maybe the crypto San Diegans are, are not going to be part of this story. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. So you just wrapped up Mexico City. From everything I heard, it was a huge success. Yep. Where are you going next? And, uh, and what's the future look like for Bright Moments? Yeah, so we are headed to Tokyo in May. We're working on finding a venue. That's always the first step. So we have our advanced team going in a couple of weeks. And once we're there and we have a venue, we lock in the artist lineup. So we've found a model that works really well for us, which is we go to a city, we mint the crypto citizens for that city, which would be the crypto Tokyoites. And we also try to do an amazing collection of generative art with some of the world's best generative artists. And so we're putting together the lineup for the Tokyo collection right now. I can't say too much more about who's on it, but we'll have more details soon. And the idea is it's going to be over the course of a week or so. I know many people for them, Japan is high on their list, but it's, you know, maybe you, you don't have an excuse to go or it's never the right time. So we really want to encourage people to use this as an opportunity to come, be there at the same time, meet other collectors, meet the artists. And over the course of the week, we'll mint the Crypto Tokyoites, we'll mint the Tokyo City collection. We'll have some special perks for people that come in person. We've been working on a magazine. We just finished our second installment of it called The Quarterly, where we do interviews with all the artists and you can get it if you come in person. And so we're really excited about it. And so that's the plan. Between now and then, we're going to continue doing shows in the cities that we have sub in. So Berlin, New York, Venice Beach, Mexico, London. And we want to do drops with generative artists that are sort of outside of the city collection. So if there's an artist that has an algorithm and we feel as though it's a good fit and they feel as though the IRL experience would really improve you know, how the collector perceives the art and it works out, then we do a show together. And so we've got a bunch of shows lined up for early next year. That we're, that we're really, uh, really excited about both in the U.S. and outside of it. So, so cool. So for my listeners who want to learn a little bit more about the host who you've, who you've listened to for a few months, Tokyo and Havana are my two favorite cities. So I'm uh, cool. Uh, I like I would love to get to Tokyo. I don't think it's on. I don't think it's on the possibility list with a with a nine month old at the moment. But um, anyways, awesome. So how, how do you actually get a mint pass? How do you get involved? What are the steps for someone to show up and, and get to be get to participate? Yeah, so it, it depends on the mint. We've tried to create incentives for people that are part of the Bright Moments DAO 
And we really think of ourselves as a generative art collective. If you have a crypto citizen, you are part of this collective of people who are all passionate about generative art. And so we do exclusive drops for people that have crypto citizens. Usually our city collection, which Tokyo is the next one, is exclusive to people that have a what we call a golden token, which is a, basically a mint pass for the crypto Tokyites. And so we'll be announcing details about it soon. But the general idea is... If you are on board for the mission and you're supporting us in our journey to come to Tokyo, you get first dibs at the Mint Pass for the artists in that city. We also do other drops in between cities that are a little bit less exclusive, but we really try to prevent botting. One of the things that I hate the most is when there's a drop and it gets picked up by some Telegram flipper group and people get priced out. And so we try to do things like exclusive purchase windows for crypto citizens or discounts that make it so the botting is not as effective from sort of a cost perspective. The best way to get involved is to grab a crypto citizen on the secondary market. Or if you're really, really excited about coming to Tokyo, we're going to be announcing details about the golden token sale soon. And then we also do drops, which are just open to the public. And so everything's available on our Twitter. It's at BRT Moments. We announce everything through there and Discord. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We've got, at this point, more than 6,000 people in the DAO, and we're on our journey to 10,000. So we're really excited about that. Great, great. So I like to wrap the show up with some rapid-fire questions for my guests, just around general cool. NFT stuff. So I'll kick it off with this. Who's your favorite? And I know favorite's a tough word, but we I, I've changed it so it can be the first person that comes to your mind. But who's the first gen artist that comes to your mind when I say, who's your favorite gen artist? Oh man, this is really difficult. Uh, okay, if I say a name, I don't mean to offend anyone. I really love Emily Shia's work. I had the chance to meet Emily in London with her project Offscript. And just, I think her style is really unique. Seeing, having the chance to meet these artists in person is honestly a worthwhile reason to come to these events because there are people who, you know, Twitter and Discord, maybe you talk to them a little bit, but in person, they are just totally blow your mind. And to me, Emily is one of those people. She's an amazing teacher as well, which I think is something that flies under the radar. In Mexico, we did a bunch of classes and I know Emily has recorded videos before, but her ability to convey really complex topics in simple ways is super impressive. So, I think that's a, it, it, she's the artist behind Memories of Quillen. Am I saying that right? Yes. The art block? That's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's I've right. seen those lately. They've been a bit of a rocket ship. So good selection and not someone that's been mentioned before. So bonus points. All right. Who's your favorite person in the NFT space that you follow on Twitter? Like who's the best Twitter follow? Oh, man. Uh, So there's definitely different, uh, I think, people that have spicy takes. I think I can maybe go a couple different categories. Best threads, in my mind, 6529 still holds the title here. He does a great job of breaking down topics. Always very salient, like respect the opinion of him. I think my favorite person in the NFT space in terms of just number of things they say that I agree with is probably Derek Edwards. Um, Derek's a part of Clab and Currency. They've been huge supporters of Bright Moments since day one, does the 100 Proof podcast, which is super awesome and just is an absolute force. And so if you have a chance to pick Derek's brain, I highly recommend it. He's a great guy. Yeah, I got to meet Derek in uh, LA recently and had a at the uh, Proof Meetup and echo every word you just said about the guy he's he's brilliant and definitely like someone who's leading the way we think and about this space for sure cool what was your first nft purchase you might have mentioned this earlier but maybe not yeah so i think i think i think my first purchase of sort of the modern nft era it was actually one of uh, seth goldstein's mints i mentioned that when i first talked to him he was doing a project on foundation 
And we had had a conversation and sort of the next day I was still thinking about it. And I go, you know what? It, it seems like there's something really interesting here. Um, I'm going to get this guy's attention. And so I went on foundation and I won the auction for his, uh, his generative sunset portraits that he was doing on foundation. And uh, I still have it to this day. Um, so I think that was the, sort of the first big ticket purchase I made. My, my first NFT and the one that I'll never sell, Bright Moments did an opening night concert poster where we sold a single NFT as a tip jar and we gave all the proceeds to the, the musicians that played that night, the people that helped with the event. And I still have it in my wallet. It's like, you know, made with Photoshop. It's like, it almost looks like a Woodstock poster where it's like opening night, you know, that kind of thing. But that's the one that I'm, I'm never selling, even if everything else goes. Awesome. Awesome. You're in like the rare group of people who didn't mint a rug as their first NFT. I feel like a large, a really large yeah. percentage of the answers are like something you've never heard of. And they're like, yeah, they disappeared with all of our, everyone's money. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sort of weird. I am deeply involved in NFTs. I love the generative art space and the people in it. I am a collector, but I'm not like this huge, I don't have this huge wallet full of all these NFTs. Like what happens is I meet artists and I like them, and then I buy their work. And that's sort of my strategy. And so maybe that's why I've avoided the rugs. Because if you meet someone in person, and it seems like they're going to rug pull you, you just don't buy their work, which I think you can get away with on Twitter, right? You, it's harder in person. Totally, totally. What is your favorite NFT that you currently own? I think besides the the concert poster one that I just mentioned, I am really personally attached to my 100 print work. Part of it was the draft pick mechanism. I spent a lot of time with Ben's algorithm getting to know it. I wrote up an entire draft pick strategy where I used a combination of like wisdom of the crowds with like my personal preferences. We built a website that basically was like face mash where it like put two hundred prints side by side. You picked which one you liked more to, you know, train your intuition. And then the day of the draft came and they're all up on the wall and there was a five minute pick window. And I just threw my strategy out the window and just like pointed to one that I liked. And so I've got it on my wall behind me, but it was one of the first printed NFTs that I owned. And I think the fact that because I chose it and did, didn't just come out of the Minter is also uh, a huge one for me. I would say the, the runner up is during Incomplete Control, uh, Tyler did a charity raffle and it was for early versions of what became the uh, IC algorithm. And I want to print from that. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now, but it's sort of, it's interesting. It's, it's memorable to me because Tyler signed the back of the work and it, you know, I won one and then uh, another person at Bright Moments who contributed to the raffle also won one on a different night. And when we went to get it framed, the framer the framer mixed up the backs of the work. And so my piece has my coworker's name on it and his has my name on it. And so we <laughs> sort of have these like soul bound, we have these like soul bound prints where like <laughs> my name's on his, his name is on mine. So it's, it's pretty funny. That's awesome. A, a rare physical Tyler Hobbs. That's super cool. And then what percentage of the Ben Kovac mint was inspired by fantasy football? A large, a large percentage. At one <laughs> point we were so like a couple of us were our fantasy football heads. And so like we were getting really into it and Ben at one point had to be like, guys, pump the brakes. <laughs> like, you know, and so, uh, you know, it was Ben's idea from the beginning. He came up and came to us and said, I have this really cool mechanism idea. It's a little bit crazy. And of course, whenever anyone says that we're like, we're in. And so Ben sort of steered the ship in how much we wanted to lean into certain things. You know, you can say things that sound like it, you know, using certain phrases. I think we we towed the line nicely between like generative art, high society prints on walls and like fantasy football degeneracy where people were like trading draft picks in line. At one point during the auction, there was a like, I think a 10 ETH sale for one of the draft picks because someone like, you know, did like, hey, I'm going to trade you NFTs plus some ETH. And it happened during the show and we all freaked out. It's amazing. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. And then final question. Do you have a grail NFT? Something you don't own that you've always wanted to have? Yeah. I really love meridians and there's a prismatic meridian that is, I'm not going to say the number and I love it and I am biding my time. And the day that I make that purchase, I'm going to be a very happy man. Very. I think that's a, a great answer. Great answer. Well, uh, listen, this was an awesome chat. I couldn't be more appreciative of your time. Um, can you give the audience a little handoff on where to find out more about you and bright moments? Yeah. So, uh, we're available on Twitter, BRT moments. Uh, you can also go to brightmoments.io. We have a Discord as well, which I'm sure is familiar to many of you. Um, these days, I'm spending a lot of my time on Farcaster, which is sort of a Twitter-adjacent social network. I write blog posts about things that I find interesting. Uh, it's at my website, uh, Phil Mowen. That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Cool. Thanks, Ben. Nucci and his guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions expressed on this show should not be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. The show is solely for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.